Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Uh, before we go any further, I just want to be clear. Okay, In first service, he asked the question, how many have been to Africa? So the only reason I raised my hand on that question was because... <laughs> I don't know why you raised your hands, but I... No. Uh, this morning we're beginning a new series, and, and it has to do with this, this little thing I'm holding in my hand right here. In 2007, uh, Apple Computer came out with the iPhone, and, um, and everybody flocked to buy one. I, didn't, I wasn't one of the first, but I was a close second. Um, and, and, and something else came out, like in 2008, called the App Store. And, um, and in fact, it's become so popular that in 2010, App became a new word in the English language, okay? Brand new, brand new term, brand new word. Now, if you don't know what that is, app is simply short for application. Um, and that's what this is. In fact, I, I was doing some research this week, found out most people do not use their phones to make phone calls anymore. <laughs> um, mostly they use it to um, surf the web, um, to play games, um, to Facebook, and to text, all these other things. Um, and it's all because of these apps, and, and I've got a bunch of them on my phone. I have an app, um, that two of them actually that I use for sailing. One is called Tides. And I can, just by it picking up, knowing where I am, the closest body of water will tell me what the tides and currents are. And like when's high tide, when's low tide, how fast the current is, whether it's an ebb or a flood. It's great for sailing. Another one called Windflow. Actually, from the nearest station, reporting station near, I can tell what the wind is like. It's great for sailing. There's other apps that I have, like Solitaire, for when I'm sitting in waiting rooms and I got nothing else to do. Um, and then I got a couple. My, my granddaughter has a favorite one. It's called Talking Tomcat. Has anybody ever seen this one? Yeah, it's a little cat, and you scratch it, and it purrs, and you talk, and it repeats back in its own voice. It's her favorite. Um, and then I got another one. Um, this one's actually kind of cool. This is if you have a friend um, who tells a really, really bad joke, and you can do... Okay. It's, it's called sad, sad trombone if you're interested in that one. Um, but there's all these applications, all these things that you can do. And in fact, it was, it was really interesting. Do you know, um, anybody want to guess? There's, there's over half a million apps out there now just on the, on the Apple site. And then Droid, I think, has even more than that. Um, anybody want to guess what the number one app is right now? Angry Birds. <laughs> Angry Birds. You all have it, okay? Um, yeah. It's just, like, I mean, people, and, and there's free apps, there's paid apps. Have you ever, anybody here ever paid for an app that made this great promise and you bought it, put it on your phone, and it doesn't do what it said it would do, okay? And then you're out like 99 cents or $1.99 or $10.99, depending on what you paid for it. You know, because, because it's really all about the app. It's really all about, does the application do what it promises? And we're starting this new series called, it's an, there's an app for that. And we're going through the book of James because the James, book of James is all about application. In fact, in fact, 99% of the book of James is all about application. And so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at different apps, different applications, ways that God has given us instruction on how to live. Speaks to our relationships, speaks to how we handle our, our conflicts, um, how we handle our tongue, um, about our integrity, about our decision-making. It's all kinds of very practical, practical application about how we were meant to live life. Because, truthfully, on a daily basis, every one of us come 
into some kind of circumstance or situation, are faced with some kind of decision, um, have to deal with some kind of problem, that the way that we deal with it will direct the course of our life. And it's all about the application. And James writes about this. And we certainly are not going to have time to go through all of it this morning. In fact, that's what our community groups are all about. So if you're not in a community group, the beauty of that is this week in your community groups, you're going to be studying this. And, and we actually put in your, in your program there um, a list of questions. It's our community group's questions. So you can take this. You can do your own digging and learning and understanding. Come together in a community group, discuss it. And, and with that, we learn and we grow together. Because we can only cover so much in 25 minutes or 30 or 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. So we're just going to go for a real brief passage here. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. This is what James writes. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and after looking at themselves go away and immediately forget what they look like. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That every day we face these decisions, disappointments, frustrations, um, all kinds of things that, that actually God has given a lot of instruction on how to face those things and how to handle them. But, but James is saying something here. Now, understand, folks, just listening isn't enough. Because when it comes to to real life change, when it comes to real transformation, the difference is all in the doing. It's in the doing. It's not just in the listening. It's in the doing. Now, let me say this morning, just up front, when we're talking about this, we're not talking about a means by which we are earning a relationship with God or somehow making ourselves better so that we will be acceptable and loved by God. He already does that. He already loves us. His grace has already been made available to us. So this isn't about earning a spot with God. This is just simply experiencing life as he designed it. And and one of the things that James says, that, that first and foremost, he says, all the difference is in the doing. It's all in the application. Application is everything. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And he's really echoing the words of Jesus. Jesus said at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise man who built his house on the rock. James is saying, don't just listen, do it. Just like Jesus said, if you hear these things, put them into practice. In fact, James goes further and takes that step further and says, If you hear these things and you don't put them into practice, you're just fooling yourself. You're deceiving yourself. And what he's doing there is really what James is doing is he is addressing an issue that happens every single Sunday in every single church and has since day one. It is happening right now as I speak. Because we come We listen and we think because we listened that we paid attention, that we stayed awake for at least half of it or that we took notes that somehow change is happening. That that just by listening, somehow we get credit for that or somehow that's making a difference. And James says, if you think that way, you're just kidding yourself. Because if all you do is come and sit and listen 
or even take notes or even become a part of a community group and discuss it. But you don't do anything with it. It's not making any difference. In fact, there's this thing, it's called cathexis. It has to do with making an intellectual or an emotional investment in something. And sometimes that's what happens. We come, we listen to the Word of God, or we, or we read the Word of God, and, and, and we're moved by it. We are, we are inspired by it, or we are challenged by it, or, or maybe we come away feeling guilty about it, you know, because that's a religious experience right there. Um, but because we felt something, or because we nodded in agreement, or we thought, yeah, that's good, that somehow that does something. And James says, wait, 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 be careful about that. Because if that's all you do, you're just, you're deceiving yourself. Because nothing's really happening with it. One of my favorite authors is John Ortberg. And he wrote a book a number of years ago called The Life You Always Wanted. And he writes about Hank. says, Hank was a cranky guy. He did not smile easily. And when he did, the smile often had a cruel edge to it, coming at someone's expense. He had a knack for discovering islands of bad news and oceans of happiness. He would always find a a cloud where others saw a silver lining. Hank merely affirmed, rarely affirmed anyone. He operated on the assumption that if you complimented someone, it might lead to a swelled head. So he worked very hard to making sure everyone stayed humble. His native tongue was complaint. He carried judgment and disapproval in the as the way a prisoner carries a ball and chain. Although he went to church his whole life, he was never unshackled. A deacon in the church asked him one day, Hank, are you happy? Hank paused, reflected for a moment, then replied without smiling, Yeah. Well, tell your face, the deacon said. (laughs) But so far as anybody knows, Hank's face never did find out about it. Occasionally, Hank's joylessness produced unintended joy for others. There was a period of time when his primary complaint centered around the music in the church. It's too loud, Hank protested to the staff, to the deacons, to the ushers, and eventually to innocent visitors to the church. We finally had to take Hank aside and explain to him that complaining to complete strangers was not appropriate and that he would have to restrict his laments to a circle of of intimate friends. And that was that, or so we thought. A few weeks later, the secretary buzzed me on the intercom and said that we had an agent from OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, and he was here to see me. I'm here to check out a complaint, he said. As I tried to figure out who on the staff would have called OSHA over a church problem, he began to talk about decibel levels at airports and rock concerts. Excuse me, I said. Are you sure this was someone on our church staff that called? No, he explained. If anyone calls, whether or not they work here, we are obliged to investigate. Suddenly the light dawned. Hank had called OSHA. And he said, the music at my church is too loud, and they sent the federal agent to check it out. (laughs) By this time, the rest of the staff had gathered in my office to see the man from OSHA. I mean, we don't mean to make light of this, I told them, but nothing like this has ever happened around here before. Don't apologize, he said. Do you have any idea how much ridicule I have faced around my office ever since anyone discovered I was going out to investigate a church? I have been in numerous churches that have Hanks (laughs) who day after day, Sunday after Sunday, sit and listen to a message and nothing changes. And it's what James is talking about here. He's saying, if you don't 
take what you're doing, hearing, and do something with it. He said, you're just kidding yourself. In fact, he goes on. He says, listen, those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and after looking at themselves, go away and immediately forget what they look like. Now, let me ask you, why do we look in mirrors? To fix things. That, that's the whole reason we look in a mirror. You have looked at least, I'm sure, everyone in this room has looked at at least one, probably two, three, or four mirrors sometime today. And the whole reason we look in a mirror is to fix things. And if you don't believe that, go home and count all the jars, tubes, um, uh, spray cans, brushes, combs that are laying on your, kit, on your bathroom counter. You look in the mirror. You get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you go, oh, boy. And then you go to work. That's why we look in the mirror. And what James is saying here, he says, listen, he said, you spend more time fixing the stuff on the outside that doesn't really matter than you do fixing what's on the mirror of your soul when you look at God's word. He says, you don't walk away from a mirror without taking inventory and fixing what needs. In fact, you won't leave the mirror until everything is fixed. He says, you will look at God's word, you will listen to God's word, and you will walk away and, 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 and do nothing. He said, the whole point is, you look at God's word to fix things. Now, I know you read God's word, and there is so much there, and you say, wow, I got so much work ahead of me, why do I even bother? But James says, don't, don't let that, don't let that over, overpower you. Just get started. Just get started. See, what we do... In fact, if we, actually, if we, if, we, if we did this in the physical realm, if I, this morning, came and hadn't shaved, all right, and I stood up and said, well, you know, I, I didn't shave today. I, I really need to shave. And you would look at me and you would say, yeah, yeah, you should have shaved. I said, I know, I know. It's, it's kind of a problem for me, so um, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to try and shave tomorrow. But, you know, I come a week later, and I still haven't shaved. And I said, you know, I really need to shave. And, and everybody looks at me and they say, yeah, you do. You really do need to shave. I know. I know. Shaving is such a hard thing for me. Maybe we could start a support group for non-shavers. <laughs> or or, or, or could, would you pray for me so that I could shave? You know, or, or could we start a ministry for non-shavers in our church? Maybe we could do something to help. And all you would do is you look at me and say, just shave. Just shave. Yeah, that's what James is saying. Is it? Don't, don't ask for prayer over these things. Don't, don't find a support group. Don't get a study going. To, just do what it says. Do what it says. Because the difference is in the doing. Now you think, well, then I don't need... I'm better off just not reading the Bible. Because if I don't know, then I don't have to change. No, then, then why bother? But see, here's the thing. When it comes to change, when it comes to change... We change the way that we act first by changing the way that we think. And that's where scripture comes in. See, behavior always follows belief. In fact, if you want to know what it is you truly, truly believe, look at your behavior. Because behavior always follows belief. And in fact, trying to change behavior without changing beliefs is a waste of time. Because you won't really change until something changes in what you believe and the way that you think. And that's the value of Scripture. That's the value of Scripture. So James goes on. He says, so what you need to do is don't, don't ignore Scripture. Take it, but take it into your life. Absorb it. You know, that 
Eat it, you know, make it a part of your metabolism. Take it in. Because that's what starts changing your way of thinking. So he says, those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. He says, read it, but even more than reading it, read it intently, look at it intently. That word in in the original Greek language is is a two-part word, and it literally means to get down on your knees, to stoop down to look at something. In other words, to look hard at something. Kind of like if you've ever lost a contact lens, and you get down on your knees, and you know it's here somewhere, and you're just kind of looking at different angles to see the light glint off of it so you can find it. That's kind of the word that's used here. He says, get, get down and, 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 and look at it. Think about it. Reflect on it. And, and that's where the benefit of our community groups comes in. Because we can only cover so much. So you take it this morning and, and, and you take this home and you take those questions home and you start ask, ask those questions of yourself. It makes you start thinking. And you're in your community group and, and other people have been thinking about this already. And, and here's, here's an insight that they saw. And I never saw that before. And, and, and we learn and we grow together. He says, that's what you do. You take and you look intently at it. You examine it. You get down into it. So here's your homework this week. All right? If you, if you have no Bible reading discipline at all, if you don't know, even know where to start, this week, read the book of James. There are five chapters. One for Monday, one for Tuesday, one for Thursday, one for Friday. Right, Mr. Day there. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, okay? You can take Saturday off. But just, if you don't know where else to start, just start this week, read through the book of James. Just a chapter a day. Chapters are not even a page long, maybe a page and a half at most, a couple of them. But just read it. And then here's how to read it, because James gives further instruction. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Read it with humility. The problem is we think we already know because we've heard it so many times. We haven't done anything about it, but we've heard it so many times. We think we already know. He says, no, approach it with humility. So start with a prayer. God, I don't know. I think I know, but I don't know. So would you show me something? And then each day this week, read a chapter. And, and And I guarantee you, you will find something in there that will apply to your life. Because the book of James is just filled with that kind of stuff. And I'll, and I'll even give you how to, how to examine it, how to, how, to turn, how to turn beliefs into actions, how, how to act on it. And I'll give you a little acrostic. Here it is. A, ask yourself this question. What are the attitudes I need to adjust? Are there any attitudes here that I need to adjust? C, are there any commands here that I need to obey? T, Are there any truths here that I need to start trusting? Really believing and trusting. And S, is there any sin here that I need to confess? See, that's looking intently. Looking with the idea, I don't know it all. I have a lot to learn. And by asking these kinds of questions, now that's just one method. But I guarantee you, if this week you do this, you will find plenty to work on. (laughs) It might be overwhelming to you, but you will find a place to start. And I would say, don't try and do it all at once, but just start with one of them. Just each day, maybe, just pick one of those. An attitude, a commandment, a truth.
truth, sin, something that, that, that you could take with you that day. And here's the great thing, because here's what God's word tells us is we're not left to do this on our own strength. What he tells us is if we become a follower of Jesus Christ, if we put our faith in him, the spirit of God himself indwells us. And he empowers us and he enables us to do the things that we're reading. So we don't have to start doing this on our own. We start changing the way that we think, start changing our beliefs, start trusting in a God who is already at work within us. And then we begin to act on those things. One more thing. And this is really important. And I'm really glad that James points this out. That what, what might be difficult initially does bring freedom eventually. He puts it this way, that those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Now, some of you, I know you read that and you go, gives freedom? Uh, it doesn't, that doesn't seem freeing. That doesn't seem liberating. I mean, you read all these commands. Now I've got to obey those things. Well, that's not freeing. That's not liberty. But he says, listen, those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, they will be blessed in what they do. What, what James is saying is scripture does bring freedom. It may not feel like it to start with. In fact, obedience is often hard when you begin. But he says, if you continue in it, this, this word of God is meant to bring you freedom in your life. And it does. It does. What, what was hard to begin eventually begins to bring freedom. Anybody here take piano lessons growing up at all? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody here stick with their piano lessons or quit? Yeah, I, I took piano lessons. I, my, both of my sisters were taking piano lessons, and I wanted so bad to learn the piano because I, I just thought, you know, I, I want to learn. I, I want to learn how to play piano. And I begged and I begged and I begged, and my mom and said, no, 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 but your sisters are doing this. Not, no, 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 I really want to learn to take piano. So, so they've signed me up for piano lessons. And I took my first lesson, and, and the piano teacher gave me scales. You know, na, 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 na. You know, that, that's what I did. For like weeks, I did scales. I hate scales. That's not playing the piano. I want to play the piano. I don't want to learn scales. I don't want to do the hard thing. I don't want that. That's that's. I wanted to learn to play the piano. I didn't want to learn to just go to scales. And so I quit. <laughs> I wish I had stayed with it. Because, as hard as it was to learn scales, it's much harder for me to get up here now and try to play on a keyboard when I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> See, what started out hard, if I had continued in it, would make playing a piano real easy right now. And that's the kind of thing James is talking about. There are things in God's word that seem hard, that seem counterintuitive sometimes, that seem like this is not liberating, this is not freeing, this is confining. Growing up, I grew up... Maybe some of you did, some of you didn't. I grew up in a Christian household. What I so appreciate about my parents is they didn't just tell us what to do. They actually lived it out. But they told us a lot of things. I grew up in the 60s. I came of age in the 60s, you know, the sexual revolution, everything. Except my parents had told me that the word of God talks about there is a morality to your sexuality. And if you don't, if you, if you violate that, bad stuff happens. But, but if you will be true to that morality, no matter what everybody else around you is doing, if you will be true to that, down the road, there will be freedom and liberty in that. 
I was taught your body is a temple of God. So be careful what you put into it and what you do with it. Because the Spirit of God Himself dwells in you. And there were a lot of things I had to say no to. A lot of things my friends were doing that looked kind of fun and freeing. I'm so grateful that they told me, yeah, these are hard things right now. But they bring freedom later. I was taught about how to manage my money. And that at every paycheck, 10% goes back to God. That was not easy. That was confining. You mean, you mean I don't get to spend it all? And, and it, was, it was really hard when I made like, you know, $50 a month. It didn't get easier when I started making hundreds of dollars a month. <laughs> but they said, listen, if you will do this, this is hard now. But if you will do this, there is freedom down the road. And I'm so, so glad they gave me those lessons And they lived them out before me so that, yes, they were hard things and they were confining and they were restrictive and they seemed like such bondage at the time. But now there was a freedom because of that. And I have friends who experienced a great deal of freedom and are now in bondage to some of those very things that they thought made them free. And I have sat in counseling situations with couples or individuals whose sexual life is just a mess and the rest of their life is a mess because of it. Because they chose a path that seemed to be a path of freedom that is now one of bondage. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not easy. When you have been burned and you have been hurt and somebody has has just so, so violated you, the last thing you want to do is forgive. But I will tell you, I have counseled and worked with people who are still in bondage to something that happened to them 10, 15, 20 years ago. There was a lady in a church that I was in one time. She was still in bondage to a hurt that some former pastor had done. And he was dead and buried. And she's still carrying it. Where is she going to get that freedom? See, that's the thing. And this is what James is saying. It's hard. It seems confining and restrictive. It seems like bondage now. But he says, if you continue in that, that this really does bring freedom. And so what might be hard initially does bring freedom eventually. They're hard things. James says, eventually they bring freedom. And what it really comes down to, and going back to what we just talked about, it really comes down to your beliefs. Because you see, if your belief about God is that he's this mean ogre who keeps coming up with rules to ruin my day (laughs) and to make my life miserable and telling me all the things I can't do, if that is your picture of God, then you'll never be able to make these changes. But if you believe that there is a God who truly loves you, who knows and wants what is best for you, who has given you commands not for, not for your confinement, but for your freedom and for your liberty, then you're able to do those hard things up front. And that's what James says. He says, so don't be deceived. He said, first of all, don't be deceived by thinking if you just listen to the stuff but don't do it, that somehow you're changing. He said, that's just self-deception. But he says, there's another type of deception that feeds that. 
And it's this, it's your vision of God. It's your picture of God. So he says, don't be deceived, dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. See, Scripture reveals the true character of God and God's purposes for your life and mine. And, and, and James says, listen, I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult, and sometimes it doesn't feel like freedom, but if you will continue in it, trust in the character of God, because every good and every perfect gift, it all comes from Him. What He gives you is good. What He gives you is perfect. Trust that. Rely on that. Because if you believe that, that God, there is a God who really, really loves you. And, and by the way, if you don't, take a look at the cross. Because here was God doing everything he could to express his love and to open up a way that you could have this life with him. Here was God who took it all upon himself and paid the price for your misbehavior and your disobedience. And he took it all himself and, and rose again so that you could have this new life. That there is a God who truly loves you and everything he does and everything he gives is good and it is perfect. So just trust it even when it's hard to trust. And maybe you're here this morning and you are facing a moral dilemma and you know what the right thing is, but it's going to be hard. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I can do this. Do it. Do it because God knows what he's talking about. And ultimately, as hard as it might be right now, it's going to bring freedom. If you're faced with a decision and and you don't know what choice to make right now, trust his ways because eventually it leads to freedom, though it may not feel like it initially. If you are in the middle of a difficult time right now, and we're going to be talking about these other things in the next couple of weeks, but if you're in the middle of a difficulty and you're wondering where is God and how could he possibly, not only, he's not even here, he doesn't even care. He does. And it's hard right now. But if you will trust and hang in there, it will bring freedom. See, that's why James said, this is why this is so important. Because what you hear when you begin to act on it, even when it's hard, eventually it brings about the life that God designed you to have, which is a good, perfect life. It's not without trouble. It's not without difficulty. It's not without challenges. But it's the way life was meant to be lived. And if you believe that, even though it's hard, eventually it proves out. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.